0: All right, good morning, everybody. If you want to get those Bibles out, open them up to Romans chapter 8. Today we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 11. At least that's the goal so far. And uh, let me just pray for us before we get started. Lord, as we come to Romans chapter 8, just such a monumental passage in church history, so many people have loved this section as it speaks such encouragement to we Christians who are just trying to stay on the path, just trying to please you, Lord, trying to um, let our lives be a fragrant offering and Lord that we would leave behind just the flesh and the junk of the world and all of our old habits and tendencies and struggles and bents towards sin. And we just sometimes feel that that battle is overwhelming and that the attacks from the enemy are so frequent and powerful and our um, flesh is so weak. And uh, Lord, as we would come to such a passage as this, that uh, for this church, you would bring us great power, great motivation, great encouragement. Uh, For such a time as this in our history, Lord, and uh, just for me as I just feel uh, the weight of this chapter and um, there's just so much to it, Lord, that you would just speak through me today to every heart in this room and uh, glorify yourself in the way that we would live after hearing from the book today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's look at verse 1. We'll read up through verse 4 and then we'll get into our text for today, though, 5 through 11. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, he condemns sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And so I mentioned a couple of weeks ago when we started chapter eight that when I was a youth pastor in Corvallis, one of the first things that we did within my first year as we were going through the book of Romans was, uh, as a youth group, we all memorized Romans chapter eight, and we just worked on it and worked on it as a youth group and uh, probably a month or so of just uh, repetitive working together. Um, It's something that has stuck in my heart for the last 20 years or so. And so I'm just encouraging you as a church to memorize it as well. And uh, what that might look like for you is to read it out loud uh, uh, three times, and then to write it down, one verse, okay, just start in verse one, read it three times or four times, write it down, and then close your eyes and try doing it from memory. Okay? And then go to the next verse. Go to verse 2. Read it three or four times. Write it down. And then do verses 1 and 2 from memory. Okay? Then you move on to verse 3. Say it three or four times. Write it down. Then do verses one, two, three from memory. Before you know it, try to do four to five verses a day. And uh, it'll stick with you guys. I'm telling you, it's a great method. And I would just encourage you as we're doing, you know, four to six verses a week through chapter eight, um, you'll find like, I can't believe it. I got this whole chapter memorized. This is incredible. So uh, it was funny during worship practice today, Rhonda's like, Ted and I have been memorizing the first five verses of Romans 8. Oh my goodness, it's just coming together as I'm planting it in my heart. And we're over there trying to do a sound check. And she's like, there is therefore now no condemnation. For those who are, you know, and it was just so sweet. And then, you know, then we're still plugging wires in, you know, 10 minutes later and you hear this. For the law, the spirit of life in Christ, Jesus has made me free from the law. You know, she 's just working along at it. So I encourage you all to work at it as well. And home groups, work on it together. So here we have in verses 5 through 11, as we'll move on from there, a contrast or plural contrast between the flesh and the spirit. We're going to see that the mind matters in this battle against the flesh by the spirit. In verse 5, it says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. So we've got kind of two um, warring uh, entities here. The flesh warring against the spirit. Uh, The flesh speaks of the natural man the natural man, or the sin-dominated self. It's everything. If you're not a Christian, the flesh is everything. Conservative culture has elevated certain aspects of the fallen nature above others, but the moralist and the pagan are both brought under condemnation, we've seen in the book of Romans so far. Under the power of your fallen nature... Everything in life that God excludes from uh, that God excludes us from falls into this category of the flesh. Okay, so anything that there's just no neutrality among us concerning uh, just where we land apart from Jesus, we're fleshly, carnal. Have made our decision, plant our flag in the ground. The hill that we die on apart from Jesus is flesh and carnality, okay? There's just no neutrality as people. There is no affinity, natural attraction, or desire for God. In and of ourselves, we desire the wrong things because of the state that we're in apart from Jesus, our fleshly, carnal, fallen nature. Now, Paul says, Tim Keller wrote this in his book, um, I think it's Examining Romans, says that the connection between living and thinking is a tight and close one. Literally, he says, for those being according to the flesh, mind the things of the flesh. But those being according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. And then Keller says, in other words, whatever you have set your mind on shapes your lifestyle and your character. So for those who live according to the flesh, think of an accordion, right? Accordions, they've got kind of a piano keyboard on one side and they got these push push button notes on the other side. And as this guy's just, you know, going away with the fireplace fan or whatever that they attached in between, you know, Uh, there's this harmony between them. Because they're, they're working in accordance with one another. They're in step, these both sides, both hands working together. And if you're going to live a life that's according and working and operating in harmony with your carnal, fleshly fallen appetites, that's what you're all about. But if you're going to do that with the spiritual things of God, that's what you'll be all about. And so we see this. Um, setting of the mind that's so important, that, that the mind matters. Um, you know, in our day and age, we have that phrase, mind, you know, uh, perhaps you've heard the phrase, mind your manners, you know, you often tell your kids that as they're sitting at the table and their feet are swinging back and forth super duper fast and their elbows are on the table and they're chewing with their mouth open and, you know, whatever, they're not saying please and thank you and all of that, and you, you tell them, mind your manners, Right. Just mind them, and the kids are like, "What's mind, mind? What does that even mean?" It's like be thinking about what you're doing right now because you're being a slob, right? Or you're being impolite. So mind your manners. Or if you've ever come into someone's new house and they have that white carpet that they've dreamt of their whole life, and you come in, and they might say to you, "Mind your feet," right? Mind your feet, but watch your feet or watch your step or be careful there's there's you know if you were to walk up here on the stage we would probably warn you hey mind your step mind be careful because there's these cords all over the place you don't want to fall down in public up on the stage with the live stream going because we'll record it we'll loop it and we'll put it on Instagram it'll be hilarious but so mind your manners mind your feet or you know if someone's sticking their nose in your business you know you often look at them and say do you mind Do you mind? What is that? Like my mind is up there, but I don't know if I do. You know, it's like, hey, what do you like? Mind what you're doing. Think about mind your manners, mind your feet, mind your own business. And uh, there's one scene from The Fresh Prince of Bel Air that I just love. There might be a few of them, but The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. He's teaching his little cousin Lisa, you know, how to um, how to you know push the haters off at school or whatnot. And uh, see, I got to read it so. So he teaches her in their bedroom. He says, hey, what you want to do is just go back off. Just back up. Mind your business. That's all. Mind your business. Back off. Mind your business. That's all. Just mind your business. And so when we're speaking of the mind, mind your business. Back off. Mind your business. Okay. And so Paul says in Romans chapter eight, hey, where your mind is at in a sense, that's where your heart is going to be also. Uh, This mind speaks of focusing intently on something and being preoccupied with something, to have attention and imagination just totally captured by something. And right now, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of minding something, to have your attention and all of your affections totally captivated where, right now, first thing, where is it? Don't tell me out loud. You know, this is for you in your journal, okay? Um, but oh, there's just so many people. That guy, that girl, that career, my dreams, my ambitions, my money. You know what are you know um, my animals? You know whatever. There's just so many things, and uh, and just maybe put it in your journal right now. My mind, my affection, my everything. I think of right now. It is just enwrapped up. In this person, this place, this thing, this idea, whatever it might be. The 20th century Archbishop of Canterbury, William Temple, once said, your religion is what you do with your solitude. So what do you do with the time off that you have? And is it just all about the world around you and stuff that you can do and living luxuriously and satisfying your fleshly appetites just minute by minute and hour by hour and day by day. What do you do with your solitude? You've had a week off for Christmas or something. What did you do with that time? Did the Lord have any part of it? And if he had any part of it, how much of that time did he have? Was he an afterthought? Was he the back burner? You know, um, this is this is convicting probably for all of us, right? What place did he did he have in your solitude, um, wherever your mind goes most naturally and freely when there's nothing else out there to distract it? Where do you go? in your mind uh carnal things fleshly things the things of this world that gratify your appetites or is there a spiritual aspect to where your mind goes does it go to the things of the lord to his kingdom to his beauty to his holiness to advancing his name to glorifying him to knowing him and making him known does your mind go there at all friends And I would just say, be honest and let the Lord maybe bring conviction today to maybe just say, frankly, it's all about you. It's been all about you. And yeah, there's been some things that I've been doing in your life, but you're almost resisting it because you are so wrapped up in yourself. Man, stop minding your own business. Start minding my business. The Lord is saying, put your mind on me. It's more than even walking according to the, the spirit that the Lord wants now. He wants us to just be in the spirit, literally. And so we have this, the, the flesh on one side, the things of the spirit on the other. You know, the, the, uh, the Orient might take it somewhere like with the yin-yang symbol, you know, with the white and the black swirl that kind of, you know, you guys know the yin-yang symbol. And, you know, I don't know that that's a good example of this battle that's going on because ultimately the Holy Spirit that lives in us is so much more powerful than the flesh. It's really not even a comparison, but it's a matter of where are you setting your mind and your affections? Because if you give it to the Lord, there will be such victory and power. The flesh doesn't even have a say There's such victory and encouragement for us when we set our mind on the things of the Spirit. Jesus says in John 3, 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And it just kind of makes it pretty simple, doesn't it? Like, flesh and the Spirit's like, hey, you can be of this world, and you realize there's stuff in this world, and it's just fleshly? That's just what it is. Natural. But we as Christians have to understand that that is not all there is. We are not naturalists. We are Christians. And our belief is, um, is found, uh, founded upon a spiritual God uh, who was here before the world began. And that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. John Stott said that that is those who follow the promptings and the surrender to the control of the Spirit Rather than the flesh, it is this contrast between flesh and spirit, which Paul now develops in verses five through eight implicitly or explicitly. It recurs in every verse. So we're going to see a lot about just this contrast between the flesh and carnality and the spirit uh, dwelling in a man. Um, Keller said just a quick quote here too." Uh, This is not the same thing as simply thinking about religion, if we're to put our mind on the Spirit. Thinking of religion all the time or theology in general, the things of the Spirit would be those things to which the Spirit draws attention. To mind the Spirit would be to be preoccupied by the things that preoccupy the Spirit. So just having a mind that's like, Lord, what are you doing today? What are you doing in my life? We're in relationship. You dwell within me. Where are we going? Who are we talking to? How are we worshiping? How do you want me to pray? What do you want me to pray for? Where should I go to share of the kingdom and the gospel? Like, what are you thinking about, Lord? What's on your mind? I want to have a mind set on the things of the Spirit. What, what's preoccupying The Holy Spirit Colossians 3 1 through 4 tells us if then you were raised with Christ seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God set your mind on things above not on the things of the earth for you died your life is hidden with Christ in God when Christ who is our life appears then you will also appear with him in glory. So, uh, setting of the mind, Colossians tells us. If we are Christians, then we ought to set our mind on things above, beautiful things. I remember Philippians uh, chapter 4. I think, let's see, where is it? 4, oh, I don't recall. It, it's a verse that says, Finally, brethren, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is admirable and of good report, Think on these things. It it was a, a song we wrote in high school, and so it's always in my mind. And just whatever's noble, think on those things. Whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, things that are up where he is, think on those things. Set your mind on things, not the things of the earth. And so the spirit, the flesh, again, the flesh, speak of the desires that would... Uh, be just the dictates of our senses, having worldviews that are worldly rather than godly, self-centered rather than Christ-focused. Where are you at with that? And I think times like Christmas vacation and summer vacation, you know, wherever there's like times of rest that can quickly be turned into like, you know... um, something that distracts from the the race, you know? Um, and, w- you know, we have our kids and they're not in school. And so there's kind of that level of discipline that's normally there every day where you're getting up and you're reading the word and you're praying and then you're going and then they get back, you know, and then get to youth group or get to, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, you've got this discipline structure, but then here comes vacation and it's like, you know, all bets are off, you know, and it's just, what are the ways that you can just gratify yourself 12 hours a day or whatever? And, uh, it's just easy. And then what happens? The fighting happens, the bickering happens. Uh, there's just arguments, just that wherever there's carnality, wherever there's flesh, there's wars that happen. There's fights that happen. There's death and destruction that happen. We'll kind of see that later on, uh, in this, in this chapter. Now, uh, the word flesh there, again, we're just kind of pulling apart like string cheese what these words spirit flesh are referring to. John Stott lets us know that this word flesh is sarx in the Greek, S-A-R-X. And by speaking of the flesh, Paul means neither the soft muscular tissue which covers our bony skeleton nor our bodily instincts and appetites but rather the whole of our humanness viewed as corrupt and unredeemed. So Stott has just shown us even deeper what's being spoken of here. And yeah, it does often speak of just like, oh, the flesh and the appetites and that kind of stuff. But, but even just the depth of what flesh speaks of is just our, uh, our whole humanness, Stott says there, viewed as corrupt, unredeemed. Speaks of our fallen, egocentric human nature, or more briefly, the sin-dominated self. Does anybody, anything resonate there with anybody? Like anybody have any idea what he's talking about here when he's speaking of the flesh? Like right? I have no idea. I, I got it under control. Like all I think about is the kingdom of God and the beauty of His holiness. And it's like liar, right? I'm. I've studied this all week and I'm reading it out to you and I'm still convicted, right? Uh, and so Stott goes on to say, the meaning surely is not that the people are like this because they think like this, although that is partly true, but that they think like this because they are like this. This is just what you are. The expressions are descriptive in both cases. Their nature determines their mindset. Moreover, since the flesh is our twisted human nature, it desires all those things which pander to our ungodly self-centeredness. Since the Spirit is the Holy Spirit himself, however, his desires are all those things which please him who loves above all else to glorify Christ. That is to show Christ to us and to form Christ in us, there's a difference, isn't there? There's a difference between the flesh and the work of the Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit Himself and the work that He does in us. Adam Clark wrote, Love heavenly things. Study them. This is just how we sow to the Spirit. Let your hearts be entirely engrossed by them. Now that you're converted to God, act in reference to heavenly things as ye did formerly in reference to those things on the earth. So just think about how much your flesh loved carnality and just getting everything that it wants to satisfy those appetites. And Adam Clark says, now pivot and let the Holy Spirit work that in you, the same passion and hunger and appetite for the things of the kingdom of God. And I just encourage you, as it's going to be a new year in one day, right? Just to say, Lord, work this in me this year. Begin this in me. Where the same way, I know how my flesh just wants what it wants, and it a lot of times symbolized by the stomach growl, you know? And in the same way, Lord, let my stomach growl for you. Let my spirit just cry out for more and more of you. And I just, last night, just... Almost texted the elders like, hey, help me out with my sermon today, guys. Send me ways that you sow to the Spirit. Send me ways that you invest in the Spirit, you know? And I just didn't get a time to send that text off as I was driving down the road. But um, just thinking, almost wanting to Google, like, good ways to sow to the Spirit. And we are going to kind of dive into that in just a little bit. But maybe in your own notes and just as you're listening Ways that the Lord is like, hey, I want to grow in you this next year. I want to make you a reader of the deep things of God. I want to work in you an appetite to read a book about me. You know, maybe even before that, you've never read through the Bible this year. Let's get a Bible plan going. I want to work that in you. I want to give you comprehension. And I want to give you discipline to just be in my word. And we're going to tackle this book this year. You know, and and you know, or maybe you, you're a, you get through the word. You know, you're regularly in the word, but you just don't grow much more beyond that. Get into a book. The Lord would give you a book this year to study, and start listening to sermon podcasts, or um, just you know what? Normally, you know, in the in the truck I drive, you know, it's set to. Um, you know, the the country station, you know, and you know what, I'm going to pivot this year, I'm going to take it over to, you know, Air One Radio or whatever it is, you know, I'm just going to have worship on as I get and my co-workers are going to get in this truck and the worship's going to be going and just start thinking ways that you can begin cultivating a life after the spirit by the spirit rather than just like, oh, my flesh just loves it, you know, Um, you know what, we're going to pivot this year and we're going to start investing in the spirit. Uh, Verse six tells us, Whew, made it through verse five. It's like, what was I even thinking ordering my notes like this? This is like, it all kind of blends together. And I have a, a, actually made a chart for you guys today to show how it all blends together. You got to really like pull it apart. But verse six says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So to be carnal... You know, and I know Johnny mentioned this and I think it's a youth pastor thing because, you know, you, you don't use that word often, right? In your regular life, carnal. Try using that this week, just in common usage with your friends at school and work, okay? That's carnal, you know, or whatever. But most of them be like, chili con carne? You know, which means it's the chili with meat, right? With flesh, okay? And it's the only Spanish word that I know, like carne from the chili, you know? Um, but, you know, it's like, The flesh, right? Uh, To be fleshly, carnally, meatly minded, ah, it's death. (laughs) Okay. Uh, But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Notice the contrast there. To be alive to God, to be alert to spiritual realities, to thirst for God, like nomads in the desert or like deer panting for the water having peace with god peace with our neighbor peace within enjoying an inner integration or harmony and that's all stott where he says we would surely pursue holiness with great eagerness if we were convinced that it is the way of life and peace anybody wanting life and peace just in those areas of you're like there's like six areas that come to my mind where i just need the life and peace of god then be spiritually Minded. Uh, I'm going to read just some of Sandy Adams' uh, commentary because I appreciate how he helps bring it simply for us in our day and age. Have you noticed that the meaning of words have changed over time? Fifty years ago, hardware was nails, nuts, and washers. Hard drive involved maneuvering a car up a steep mountain. Uh, Boot you wore on your foot virus made you sick, mouse carried the virus, and dump was where the mouse lived. Obviously, he's going like a computer, uh, computerly minded here, whatever. Menu helped you order your food, bite was what you did with your food, and spam was the type of food you hoped was not on the menu. Before computers, desktop was the top of a desk. (laughs) What have we done? Um, Laptop was the top of your lap, and load was when you had a heavy person sit on your lap. All right. Uh, of course, today we recognize these terms as computer jargon, but this is how I want you to think as we move into Romans 8. In a sense, we're all like computers in that we consist of hardware and software. Think of your spirit, the inner person, as hardware, but hardware is controlled by software by mindsets and beliefs and presuppositions and perspectives. Now imagine two types of software, two operating systems, if you like, loaded onto your hard drive. Paul calls them the law of the spirit of life and the law of sin and death. Now each day when you awake, you have a choice. Which operating system will you boot up? Which approach to life will govern your thoughts and actions? Will you orient your life around God's spirit, or will you gravitate towards things of the flesh? How do we walk in the spirit? Using the computer illustration, when you come to Jesus, God installs a new hard drive inside you. God takes out the old equipment and puts his nature within you. You have top-of-the-line gear, but the hardware's efficiency depends on the software. If the old software is running on new equipment, it won't perform well. It'll malfunction, a.k.a. chapter 7 of Romans. That's why you've got to reboot. Stop using the operating system entitled Things of the Flesh and log on to the system that's called Things of the Spirit. I don't know much about computers, finishing up with uh, Sandy Adams here. But I've learned one truth over the years. When all else fails, reboot. Can I get an amen? Surely you're getting there, right? Finally, and all your tech knowledge. Like, just restart it, I guess. I don't know. Okay. All right. When all else fails, reboot. Okay. This also applies to our spiritual lives. When I start to struggle, I do what I hate and not do what I want. I reboot, I check my mindset. Am I laboring on my own as if it's up to me or am I trusting the work God's done in my spirit? Do I see myself as a new person in Christ or am I logged into the old identity? We need to reboot or shift from flesh to faith, from grunt to grace, from carnally minded to spiritually minded. Are you operating spiritually or in the flesh? A carnal mind is death. A spiritual mind is life and peace. And so I just encourage you guys, you saw the slide during announcements that says a week of prayer and fasting in January. It's a work week. It's five days. We get together three times a day and we just sow to the spirit through fasting. And that's going to look different for every person. Some people you're going through stuff and it's like. I just can't eat anything all week because I need God to move in my life, or I want the Lord in my life, or I'm so thankful, I just want to show him how thankful I'm with my hunger, or I'm grieving, and I just, I think I'm grieving, or I just can't even eat, I just got to go to the Lord, or maybe it's like, you know what, with all that I got going on life and work and medicines I'm taking and all that, I'm going to, you know, just skip one meal a day or something or, or things are, you know, your, your health is in such a poor state. I'm just not going to be on my phone or not watch the news or whatever. And I'm going to be down here. I'm going to sow to the spirit. But I really think that in January, when we do our week of prayer and fasting, it's our spiritual reboot kind of at the beginning of the year where we can just kind of come and let the Lord just work purging out stuff out of our life. It's kind of a cleanse, you know, and essentially it's going back to using that right, operating system the life of the spirit galatians has a lot to say about this in six uh chapter six verses seven and eight it says do not be deceived god is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life so great farming metaphor for us for everyone here who likes farming or gardening or anything like that, you know. Hey, don't be deceived. The Lord's not stupid. If you're going to take all your time, all your energy, all your affection, all of your resources and just dump it into carnal living, guess what the fruits of your life are going to be? Carnal, wicked death. Right? Like, to be carnally minded is death, right? That's what you will reap. But to be spiritually minded and to know what pleases the Lord and pour your life into that, uh, that will bring life and peace. There's beautiful fruit that comes from that. Um, verse 7 tells us, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So that carnal fleshly mind is enmity against God. Now I'm going to read a Spurgeon quote in just a little bit. And I read it 12 years ago or whatever. Last time I taught through Romans at the church and it stuck with me for all these 12 years where it says the carnal mind is enmity with, uh, what does it say? Is enmity against God. Enmity means war or hostility. A carnal mind is hostility against God. It doesn't say, oh, a carnal mind is at war with God. No, it brings it down to be even more potent. The carnal mind is war with God. If you're going to live and sow to carnal living in a carnal mind, you are war with God. Okay? Not good. No bueno. Don't know if you know that God wins the war. Okay? I don't want to be on that side. (laughs) I want to be on this side. I want to be on the winner's side. Okay? So, there's people in this room that your are carnal living and carnal mindset. The Lord is just gently speaking into you today. You are war with me. You're just, you are in the state of war uh, with me. Look at what Galatians has to say about it. Five, Galatians 5, 16. We're going to look kind of through 26 here. This I say, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So this is just good lingo for us to start using among our family and among our friends and as a church. Hey, are you walking in the spirit today? Walk in the spirit, step by step by step. The next thing that you do, is it something that's, you know, pure, noble, admirable of good report, focused on what the Holy Spirit is focused on? What about this step? What about this step? Okay, walk in the spirit. And if you do that, you will have victory over the flesh. You'll have victory over sin. Look what it says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. How do you have victory over sin? Walk in the spirit. Step by step, walk in the spirit. So to the spirit for the flesh. And then we have this war, uh, flesh, lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Works of the flesh are evident, And so here's just some, are you sowing to these things? They're adultery, fornication, that's sexual immorality, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. And then there's this great warning. I've, told you, uh, goes on to say, if you practice such things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then there's fruits of a spirit filled life. Someone who's sowing to the spirit has love. And some have said love is actually that one fruit, like the fruit that comes from sowing to a life of the spirit, uh, is love. And then out of love comes all of these things, joy, Peace. I mean, isn't that true? And that joy, something that comes from love, peace with one another comes from love, right? Uh, long suffering or patience comes out of what? Love. Okay. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against those things. There's no law. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So walking in the spirit, friends, carnal mind, war with God, okay? Flesh, lusts against the spirit. Sandy Adams again said, the flesh and the spirit are like the Hatfields and the McCoys. They're like Coke and Pepsi, by the way, Pepsi, okay? Um, They're like the beavers and the ducks, okay? Uh, They're bitter rivals, The goal of your flesh is to make itself look good, feel good, get what it wants, when it wants it, with whoever it wants it, how it wants it. Whereas the spirit wants to glorify God. The one who sets their mind on the flesh, walks according to the flesh, is at war with God. And here's Spurgeon speaking about this war or enmity against God. The carnal mind is enmity against god he uses a noun paul does and not an adjective he does not say it is opposed to god merely but it is positive enmity it is not black but blackness it is not at enmity but enmity itself it is not corrupt but corruption it is not rebellious it is rebellion. It is not wicked. It is wickedness itself. The heart, though it be deceitful, is positively deceit. It is an evil in the concrete, sin in the essence. It is the distillation, the quintessence. Um, I don't use that word every day, unless I'm making fun of hippies, but... um the quintessence, you know, quintessential. Hippie. Okay, um, the quintessence of all things that are vile. It is not envious against God. It is envy. It is not at enmity. It is actual enmity. Have I hammered that down good today? I think a couple of people still looking off at the pretty chandeliers, but that's normal. So, you know, but man this is just something that just ought to help us hate sin all the more a carnal living carnal mindset being about the flesh's desires and wants and cravings and just living for that that is war with god c.s lewis concerning the thought that unbelief is hostility against god wrote in his book surprised by joy which is kind of his autobiography i maintain that god did not exist I was also very angry at him for not existing. I was equally angry at him for creating the world. <laughs> it's like hilarious meme I saw this weekend that was like, um, you know, atheists who don't believe that God exists celebrating God's birthday, you know, and God's like, what do you do? You know, um, but you know, don't believe in God, but they're mad at him for everything. But uh, hostility towards God is what the carnal mind is. Uh, Tim Keller says, here's a helpful illustration. A man in a rebel army may look after his comrades, may keep his uniform smart, and so on. Those are good things, but they are done in hostility to the rightful ruler. You would never expect that ruler to hear of this rebel's conscientiousness or generosity and be pleased by his conduct in rebellion. Uh, this fall, my mom got Titus, this book, uh, dangerous battles for boys. And it's about world war II. So Titus and I have been reading this book and he just loves it and just sits on my lap and, and I'm a world war II buff. So I'm just like telling him all about everything. Right. And, um, we read this book about this guy, uh, in the book, there's a chapter about, uh, Larry Thorne. Okay. Now at the beginning of world war II, Russia attacked Finland and uh, his name was um, Lauri in Finnish. Uh, he was just this hero for the Finnish army, just such an incredible warrior and stuff. And they they were just great. Uh, you know, the, the guys that wore the cross country skis and wore the white outfits, you know, and they pushed Russia out. And oh, that's great. We got rid of Russia. And then Russia started showing themselves strong again. So Finland uh, made a, a treaty with Germany. Okay. It's not good in case you don't know your World War II history. They were the bad guys, okay? So then you've got this great national hero. He becomes a German soldier. I've got a picture for you guys. I think it should be up there. And he becomes a German soldier of the German SS. Not good. Don't know if you know anything about the German soldier. The SS were the worst, okay? Uh, Just, they were the guys just slaughtering the innocent and putting the Jews in the concentration camp. Now, uh, Laurie, he actually was on the Russian side of the war, and he was more trying to capture Russian spies, so he wasn't really doing a lot of the SS stuff. But um, after the war, it's a whole incredible story, he ends up moving to the U.S., actually jumping off a ship going by the U.S. and swimming to shore, becoming a U.S. citizen, fighting in Vietnam, uh, being an airborne trooper, and teaching special forces uh, how to fight in Vietnam. And he went down in a helicopter... And uh, his body was found like in the 1990s, and he's buried in um, Arlington National Cemetery, okay? So I don't know how to feel about two-thirds or one-third of this story, you know, um, except that for the U.S. government, when they heard of Thorne back in 1944, he was the enemy, right? He was SS, the worst, you know? And then as life went on, he was helpful and beneficial and a part of our team, right? Part of our army. And so, uh, you know, like the Lord looking at us when we're wearing the German SS uniform, he's like, that, that's not good, right? That's, um, you are enmity with me. And you need to repent, turn from your sinful ways, and come and be part of the Lord's army. And that's when we stand as a church and we sing, I may never march in the infantry, right in the Calvary, shoot the artillery. Nobody? Nobody was raised in Sunday school. Here. Okay, I thought so. Quite the transition, though, getting your mind off of this guy from the SS that became an American. Okay, okay. Uh, But Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 says that he made you alive who were once dead in trespasses and sins. And you used to walk according to the course of this world. You walked according to with your mindset on the prince and the power of the air. That's not good. That's Satan, in case you're wondering who that guy is. Um, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath enmity against God, or as Colossians 1 21 puts it, you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. So hopefully you're getting it. The carnal mind alienated from God, enmity with God, wicked, wicked works, And then it goes on to say in our verse, verse 7, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. The carnal mind isn't submissive to the Ten Commandments, or really the 613 Commandments, and you know what? It's not even a possibility. If you're not a Christian, if you're not born again, if you haven't been given a new heart and a new start and a new mind and a new nature and the power of the Holy Spirit, all that comes when you're born again, then like, I hate to tell you this, but it is hopeless for you. Like you might look all moral and polished, but you just look like that, you know, Larry Thorne. Um, we're in the German SS officers, like you look good, man. It's like the high hat and the pop collar, you know, and like, man, the shiny boots, your riding boots and the cavalry pop out the side of your pants or whatever, you know, little thing, you know, what I'm talking about, (laughs) you know, you know, uh, sharp looking guy in that German SS uniform. One small problem. It's satanic. Okay. And that's you. If you're trying to make it on your own, you can't be subject to God's beautiful law. It's just not even possible nor indeed can you be uh, verse uh well, 1 Corinthians 2:14 tells us that if you're a natural man you do not receive the things of the spirit of God for their foolishness to you nor can you know them because they are spiritually discerned you you have your um the wrong antenna attached to your head i remember we had a 2002 yukon xl and man my in-laws were so generous to give us this like big suburban you know it was and it was the deluxe package it had everything and it had an analog on star system outdated like i'm like we got OnStar, of course we don't subscribe to it but if we were in a pinch we could push that button you know or whatever and then uh i think it was like 2009 or something uh techn- the world of technology is like we're getting rid of analog everything's digital now So the little cool antenna on the top of your car doesn't even work, okay? That's you. If you're apart from Jesus, you got this antenna that all it receives is Satan's stuff, okay? And the Lord's like, let me just go ahead and swap out stuff so that you're picking up my frequency here, okay? Uh, All these things are spiritually discerned. If you think today's sermon sounds horrible and it doesn't make any sense to you, it's not on me, confused, feel like an outline would have been good. Anyways, verse eight says, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. First of all, you can't understand it. You're on the wrong wavelength. Secondly, you can't even please the Lord. You can't please the Lord. You're coming at it from a whole different motivation in your heart and he is not pleased with it. You've got to give your heart. To Jesus and surrender to him and repent of your sin and receive his way of salvation, which is humbling yourself at the foot of the cross and realizing that God had to die for you and spill his blood to atone for your wicked deeds. You've got to humble yourself like a kid, little kid and receive salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. When you do, swaps out the hard drive, right? Swaps out the software. You start picking up the signals from him, okay? And now you can please the Lord. Listen to how J.B. Phillips puts it in his great translation. This is five through eight. The carnal attitude sees no further than natural things, but the spiritual attitude reaches out after the things of the spirit. The former attitude means bluntly death. The latter means life and inward peace. And this is only to be expected for the carnal attitude is inevitably opposed to the purpose of God and neither can nor will follow his laws for living Men who hold this attitude cannot possibly please God. Or as Hebrews eleven six 6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In verses 9 through uh, 11 here, we see the, the transition now from being carnal to having the Holy Spirit living within you. Look at verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. And it's kind of nice, he's, he kind of brings it to the church. Like, hey church, be encouraged right now. You're not in the flesh. Like, that's not what God has for you. Be in the spirit. You're not in the flesh, but you're in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. Did you know, Christian, that you have the spirit of God dwelling in you? That is incredible. That is New Testament living. That is New Covenant religion, okay? That it's not based upon your performance and you, you know, grin and bear it and white knuckle it and pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and just try to be it bootstraps and try to be a good person. No, it's, it's like, it doesn't even matter what you're able to do. Jesus did it for you. Now rest in him and watch him completely change your life and give you power because he is going to put God inside you, the indwelling spirit. Some of you might be hearing this for the first time. You're telling me I've got God in me. You're not God, right? But you have the Holy Spirit in you. For powerful living, for obedience, for courage, for telling people about him, for living for the kingdom, for setting your mind upon him. You've heard of habitat for humanity, but with the indwelling spirit, it's habitat for divinity, right? He's living within you. If you don't have the spirit of Christ, you're not his right here. So if you're someone that's like, I can make it on my own. I'm a Christian, but I don't need no weird mystical spirit in me stuff. Like, I'm an American, and I'm tough, and I built my own business, and I've got a bank account and a credit card, and, you know, that's awesome. But you need the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, it's just pretty blunt, you're not his. Verse 10, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, But the spirit is life because of righteousness. So interesting, you kind of have like references to the, to Christ being in you, to the spirit being in you. And this gets into the doctrine of the Trinity. And we're not talking about like, oh, sometimes he calls himself spirit. Sometimes he calls himself Christ. Sometimes he calls himself God, the father, depending on what you're going on in life. He kind of changes masks. That was called modalism in the early church and it was condemned as heresy because it was saying that, um, that there's no father, son, Holy Spirit. When you look at the scriptures, you see the father, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit, totally God, one God in three persons. Okay. But the father's not the son. The son's not the father. The father's not the spirit. The spirit's not the father. The spirit's not the son. The son's not the spirit. And you can get into your exponents there and you get the point, but But interesting, yeah, draw it on a piece of paper, okay? Um, But what you do have is that the Holy Spirit just links us to the Father and the Son in such a way that the Son is dwelling in us too. The Father's dwelling in us. And so you you have all these mentionings in Romans 8 of Christ in you, Spirit in you. And it takes us back to Romans chapter 6, that if Christ is in you, if you've been transformed by the gospel then the body is dead because of sin. And then verse 11 says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I love this verse because you think about how powerful it was when Jesus' body lay dead in the ground and we're given a little insight that the Holy Spirit had a role in resurrecting God the Son. Okay, and the same Spirit who resurrected God the Son now dwells in you, what does that mean for your life? You really want to go on just trying to make it on your own and live carnally by the flesh and what you taste, see, smell, handle, and want and crave and desire and stuff that God says no to you, say, but I want it, I'm going after it. Guys, that is like living like an animal. Okay? You have the Spirit who rose Jesus from the dead in you. And he's giving a whole new life to these tents that you walk around in uh, as he dwells within you. Again, there's two times in verse 11 it says that he dwells within you. Um, for the sake of time, I want to show you my really awesome chart that I made for you guys last night at 1130. Whoa, Rory, you know how to use Microsoft Excel? Well, the color part... Um, But my wife's a CPA accountant, so she helped me out a little bit. But okay, so nothing better than a well-oiled spreadsheet, she always says. Um, okay, so just bear with me. So as you work through these first 11 verses that we're just going through right now, um, there's these contrasts between what the flesh and the spirit get out of this, okay? So verse 1, I just tried to, tried to concentrate it down to maybe what... Um, what would be received or the actions from these verses. So verse one, right? Um, For those who walk according to the flesh or the spirit, number one, the flesh, you get condemnation. If you're a flesh, you're going to just be all about the flesh. Good for you. Let's give everyone here a hand. You just won condemnation. That's not good, right? Um, But the spirit, if you walk according to the spirit, there's no condemnation. There's no judgment. There's no damnation, okay? There's liberation. There's acquittal. There's justification we've learned so far, okay? Uh, In verse two, uh, we've got the law, and now I gotta get here to my mom, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And so for the non-Christian who just lives in the flesh, the law is, is just sin and death for you. God's law, God's righteous standards. Let's give everyone a hand. You got sin and death with God's righteous standards. But for Christians who've been born again and have the spirit in them, we get life and freedom. Really, that's what we should be. I mean, anybody here not want life or freedom? There's a movie out right now, Sound of Freedom. We all love the name of that. Okay, yeah, life and freedom. Verses three and four, we have the law again mentioned. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own, in the, own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So the law, when it came to our flesh, our flesh was weak. We could never keep the law. Just start at the Ten Commandments. We could never keep the Ten Commandments on our best day of being a Boy Scout in the Boy Scouts of America. Couldn't do it. Okay? Weak. Um. But when it comes to the Spirit and the work that he does in us, the righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled. This is good news, okay? Uh, we got uh, verse 5, okay? This is where we picked up today. Um, a car, uh, where is your mind set? Those who living according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So where is your mind set? Uh, the flesh sets it on the flesh. The spirit sets it on the spirit. I did that one on my own without Lindsay's help. Um, But then verse six gets into, what about your state of mind while you're in those mindsets? Okay. And that was which verse again? I really should put my glasses on. Verse six, um, for to be carnally minded, if you're in the state of carnally minded, congratulations behind door number one, you get death. Okay. If you're in the state of being spiritually minded, you get everlasting life. Now, bonus reference. It's like a game show, okay? Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Can we flip flip over there? Right? Uh, We read this one already, but do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Thank you. Now head back to my really pretty slide that I made. Thank you. Uh, so this bonus reference, what do you reap when you're going to live according to the flesh or according to the spirit? We've got another death, people. They're under the flesh category. Death is what you reap, is what you pull up out of the ground when you sow to the flesh. But you will reap everlasting life. If you're sowing to the spirit in verse seven, you have, where is, where are these people at when it regards to submissiveness to God's law? Well, for the fleshly carnal person, they're enmity with God. So they're not submitting to God's law. Uh, they're not subject to God's law and they can't even begin to be subject to God's law. Okay. Bonus reference. 1 Corinthians two 14. We already read it. So we don't need to go there. But the fleshly person considers the things of the spirit to just be absolute hogwash and foolishness. But the spirit-filled person is able to discern about these spiritual matters. Okay, verse 8, we're going to cruise through these. Um, Concerning pleasing God, the fleshly carnal person, you cannot please God. Uh, Spirit person, you don't get anything in that one because it goes on and and continues in verse 9. Um, who possesses the Spirit? If you're a fleshly carnal person, you don't possess the Holy Spirit. You are not His. But the spirit filled person who's been transformed by the gospel, you are His. Okay? Verse 10, your present vitality and life needs the rest of this, just present vitality or future vitality. The fleshly carnal person, you got nothing. But the spirit filled person who's got their mind after the Spirit, Oh, your present vitality is that you have the indwelling spirit in you. Your mortal bodies now have life and you have the indwelling. Again, there's two times there that it mentions it in verse 11. The spirit dwells within you. So if you want, I've copyrighted this and um, it's already out there on Amazon.com. You can buy it with just quick checkout there. I'm just kidding. You can have this for free, but um, we'll have the worship team come on up and As we go into this new year, I just pray that the Lord would just bring conviction to us today and maybe he already is that, man, I have just been living with what appears to be a carnal mind. I'm just convicted reading this and it just seems like my life Monday through Saturday is marked by what can I get my flesh? My flesh wants this and it wants it here and it wants it then and it wants it now and it wants it with them and just that's just your mind is just all about how can you gratify yourself make yourself look good bring glory to yourself and we just learn in that red column there it's just it ends in death and it's probably obvious in your life with the relationships that you're in you know and what you're seeing as fruit of that Uh, and so man new testament christianity being a christian is that we just surrender all that we are to the power of the gospel we let jesus come in and just take away our sins and put the holy spirit in us that he could dwell in us and he change our changes our appetites he changes our mindset he puts in us a desire to be all about the kingdom of god And if you just know, man, going into, it's just so wonderful that tonight's New Year's Eve and we just, so often our resolutions have to do with getting that six pack that you always wanted, you know, or being able to do one burpee or something, you know. And instead, maybe instead of just the fleshly stuff, seems like what the carnal mind would want to do is a burpee, just saying. But maybe instead the spiritual mind is, you know, I, Lord, I would love to just grow in Bible reading and I would love to grow in prayer and fellowship and maybe starting to go to a home group and sowing to the Spirit with my family and starting to go to the Pulse every other, you know, first and third Saturday of the month. And maybe, maybe this whole fasting thing, I'm, I'm going to pray about how I can participate in that. And all right, I'd love to just start maybe reading more about you and growing in you. And just the Lord just wants to start giving you more of a palette for Him a mind of the spirit and just as we close in this song I just want to encourage you to maybe pray about all this and at some point during this song if you just want to just turn yourself over to the Lord afresh this New Year's Eve I would just encourage you to stand up in your, at your seat there and, and just say Lord that is me work Romans 8 in me Let your spirit who dwells in me just transform my life to love the things you love. And just one last thing, maybe you came into the room today and you didn't love Jesus, weren't about the things of the Lord, you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not his, death is in the cards for you, present and future, second death to hell, and just today the Lord said, man, I've got better things than that for you. Come to me and receive today what the spirit has provided new life he will provide that for you today because of what jesus did on the cross and rising from the dead and today you could become a christian you can receive the indwelling spirit and you can have a new life beginning uh, december 31st 2023 and so when if that's you at some point during this song maybe stand with the others and say lord just have your way in me and let me be someone who's of the Spirit today. Go ahead, Matt, close us. So Lord, just thankful for the New Testament, the New Covenant, where it's not about our strength, what we can muster to fulfill the commands. and We just never could do it on our best day. So good to hear today, Lord, that you forgive us for our disobedience and put power in us and a heart in us that wants to live for your kingdom and follow your precepts and please you with our living lord and we do lean today as we learn about the spirit the power of the spirit the indwelling spirit just pray lord for uh lord for the new christian today that just today stood and said i want to be a christian i want the holy Spirit." We just pray for the indwelling upon, uh, in them today, Lord. And then for the Christian who has had the indwelling, but maybe has been quenching the Spirit or neglecting the Spirit, spiritual gifts. Lord, just let the Spirit just be powerfully evident. Let the fruits that we read about today just be just uh, growing so beautifully off of them. And we will give you the glory in this church, Lord, as we just live out Romans 8, starting 2024, just a new mindset of uh, investing our time and our energies into the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you need any special prayer or just, man, you just need just some encouragement in all of this, uh, come on up. You, you, uh... You saw Chris doing some announcements. Come and talk to him. He could pray for you, talk to you. I can pray for you and encourage you. You elders, hopefully you know the elders here. Reach out to one of them. Get prayer and encouragement. And then we have the uh, donut half hour going on. It's a donut 11 minutes at the moment, thanks to someone that was a little long up here. Um, But right here in the Fireside Room, if you'll go in there and just hang out for a little bit. Uh, we got new coffee. (sighs) Yeah, got some Pete's coffee, you guys, so maybe enjoy some fresh, new, good coffee here and, uh, and hang out for a little bit and get a donut. We love you guys. Have a great week.